Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network here on a beautiful victory Monday for the second straight week and the third straight week following a win for the Washington Commanders. It wasn't pretty. It was not pretty just like the last few weeks. But ladies and gentlemen, a win is a damn win in this league. 17-16 Washington Commanders over the Indianapolis Colts and Sam Ellinger in Indianapolis. A win that now has the Commanders back at 500. It's crazy to look back at it. Over this last month or so of play, the injury to Carson Wentz, the loss of Chase Roulier up front, the injuries that we've seen within the offensive line, the lapses on defense, the turmoil surrounding William Jackson and him not wanting to play and him wanting to be traded, Brian Robinson being inserted on offense, New faces along the front five. Washington's had the most offensive line combinations so far in the league with eight already. Combinations of starters within the front five. They've played eight games. They've had eight different combinations of guys along that front five. Unbelievable so far. And hopefully it doesn't have to be nine and ten as we move forward and the week's moving on. But they've been through a lot this last month. We already know just being what you know followers of, of this football team. How much goes on daily surrounding the Washington Commanders and the Burgundy and Gold? Usually it's drama off the field. But now over this last month of play, being able to focus within the hashes and the football, sticking to football. Taylor Heineke. Now, yesterday, was everything perfect? Oh no, absolutely not. We'll get into that second and third quarter, and it was ugly again at times for Taylor Heineke. But we'll also get into the positives and pulling that win out within their final drive of the football game. And Terry McLaurin's heroics. Seemingly, almost every single time he gets an opportunity to make a play in the football, he does. And I would like to see more of it. But this team has been through adversity. And you have to go through adversity to see what you have as a football team. Because not everything is perfect. Heck, you watched the second half of that Buffalo Bills-Green Bay Packers game last night. The Bills didn't look good. And really, you get to a point where you look a little spoiled. You're used to putting up 35 points a game. You're used to allowing less than 15 points a game. You're able to do things, whatever you want offensively. That's what we've seen a lot from the Bills and the Chiefs and the teams that are able to do that. Not much adversity. But Washington, and I get it, you don't want to have to deal with adversity since they have since... Really, since, since owner Dan Snyder took over the team in the late 90s, been dealt with adversity every single week, every single day, it seems like. But it's how you react to that, right? You get knocked down, how do you get back up? And just for these last three weeks, Washington has continually got knocked down. Should have lost that football game yesterday. Probably should have lost in Chicago. Were there opportunities for Green Bay to win the football game last week? Absolutely. But again, that's playing shoulda, woulda, couldas and playing hypotheticals. And bottom line is Washington has now won three straight games and they're right back in the thick of things. Now, in a division that they only gained a game on the Giants yesterday, we saw Dallas win. 
We saw the Eagles beat the Steelers at home to stay undefeated. They're 7-0. They're obviously clicking on all cylinders. Doesn't matter who they're playing. So right now for Washington, it's tough because you are 4-4 and and you're within a division that is the best in football by far right now from top to bottom. There isn't a team below 500. That's a damn good division that you're playing in. And it's only going to get you better once you get into playing the Eagles again. You still got to play the Giants twice. And we got to play Dallas again. Those are going to be massive games. And right now, I don't know if the division is going to be within reach. It, It is still relatively early, even though we're creeping to that midway point. It's hard to kind of lay a finger on the exact midway point as a 17-game slate. But this is the week, right? Week 9, right? This is this is where we are in a 17-game slate. We're about the midway point. Washington still has yet to have their bye, so that's coming in the future. They have a late bye this year. But right now, working into week 9, where now you're preparing to host Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and the 6-1 Minnesota Vikings that we will get to later in the week. You're clicking on all cylinders, if you will. Now, Washington isn't blowing anybody out. They're not scoring 40 points a game. They're not having five, six sacks a game. They're not getting two, three picks a game. But you look at what the defense was able to do yesterday, and the massive storyline surrounding Sam Ellinger was forced him to beat you with his arm. Were there spots yesterday where Naheem Hines had a couple of flash plays and Jonathan Taylor was Jonathan Taylor? Absolutely. They still rushed for over 130 yards yesterday. But the defensive line showed up when they need to show up. And they forced two fumbles. Derek Forrest, heck of a play coming downhill and putting the hat on Jonathan Taylor right on the football and creating a fumble. That's a huge play. Deron Payne recovered a fumble. Casey Tuhill recovered a fumble. Deron Payne had the lone sack. Yesterday, we talked about how Sam Ellinger's mobility would give Washington fits a little bit. We saw that. Michael Pittman, their featured receiver, good game, seven catches, 53 yards on nine targets. Alec Pierce was their leading receiver, three catches for 65 yards on five targets. And then obviously in the ground game, it was Jonathan Taylor with 16 carries for 76 yards. Washington did a good job limiting him yesterday, not stopping him. You're not going to stop Jonathan Taylor. We saw him go out in that first half, kind of with that bum ankle. He was back in that next series. But Washington, excellent job of limiting Jonathan Taylor's impact and forcing Sam Ellinger to deliver down the field. He wasn't a game breaker by any means. Didn't move the needle at all. Didn't throw any picks. Had that lost fumble. 17 for 23, 201 yards. That's a game manager day. A lot like Taylor Heineke. And he slung it around yesterday from Heineke's perspective. 23 for 31 for Washington, 279 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Now, with the pick. Bad. That pick was absolutely disgusting as we move back into that second half. Disgusting. A throw that should have never been made. And I don't want to hear the fact you watch that film and you're going to say, oh, his arm got hit and there were guys in his face. There were four guys around Cam Sims. Now, Shaq Leonard ultimately came down with the interception. But it was a throw that should have never been made. And that's kind of the give and take that you have with Taylor Heineke. There's moments of heroics, right? We saw with that final drive, leading the team down the field, throwing it up for Terry McLaurin, giving him a chance to make a play in the football. And then there's plays that make you just scratch your head and go, what are you doing? That's what that was on that pick. And when you face better teams that are able to get the ball with you know in plus territory and able to get a field goal or... or 
punch it in for six. That's going to be huge as Washington works down the line, and they are going to try to fight for a wild card position because right now, you know, we aren't we aren't sitting here at one and four and looking at a top five six pick right now. You're looking in the range of sixteen to twenty, just like they were last year and the year before, and the year before that. That's what you're looking at right now, that middle range. And I don't want to focus on the draft because they're playing well right now. And we're focusing on football. And we're excited to watch them right now every week. And again, Taylor Heineke leading the charge. Two starts, full 60 minutes that we've seen with Heineke under center. Again, not, not everything has been pretty. But he understands the offense. His mobility has added a completely dynamic, a completely new dynamic to this offense that they did not have with Carson Wentz. Now, he was sacked once yesterday by DeForest Buckner. Excuse me, a, a sack and a half, if you will, but the full sack came from DeForest Buckner and the other half came from Afedi Odenigbo. But he did a nice job of creating outside of structure. He's, Taylor Heineke isn't a guy that's going to sit in the pocket and dissect teams right for 330 yards, 360 yards. It's a lot of the outside of structure, outside of the tackle box, Set lot plays, getting them outside on boots, getting them outside on play actions. Washington did a really nice job yesterday. And that even in that first series, a tip of the cap to Scott Turner. On that on that first touchdown with Antonio Gibson, the nine-yard pass from Heineke, that series featured Gibson. It featured Brian Robinson. Curtis Samuel got carries we saw yesterday. It was Taylor Heineke on that boot action, play action. A lot of different guys got involved on that first on that first scoring drive. And they even had Logan Thomas back yesterday, who I thought was going to be a, 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 have at least a decent impact. But he didn't. He was on the field a little bit. But it was a lot of Armani Rogers, And it was a lot of John Bates blocking. Bates had one catch for six yards. Armani Rogers was targeted twice, had one catch for 13 yards. But the catch that he did have, I thought he ran really well. Kind of ran that throwback tight end screen to the backside of the formation and let him work in space. He did that well at Ohio as a quarterback. Saw it in training camp in the preseason a little bit of him working in space. Number 88 did a nice job yesterday, I thought, for the limited workload that he received, even with Logan Thomas in the game plan. And Cole Turner was out. Hopefully we can get him better and working towards the next few weeks. But you have those four tight ends now that have gotten a lot of work, and you can rely upon those guys. But Scott Turner did a nice job of involving everybody. You look at the rushing game for yesterday. Taylor Heineke was the leading guy on the ground. For Washington. Six carries, 29 yards in that touchdown at the end of the game. The QB sneak over the right guard. Curtis Samuel, four carries, 29 yards. Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson combined for 15 carries. Now, Brian Robinson led the team with those eight carries, 20 yards. His long was seven. Antonio Gibson, seven attempts, 19 yards. His long was five. Did not run the ball well yesterday. Grover Stewart up in the middle. Buckner, who I mentioned. Shaq Leonard coming down here. Hill, you heard a lot about EJ Speed and Bobby Okariki. They made some plays for them yesterday. Zaire Franklin made some plays coming downhill, especially on that, on that screenplay that Dax Milne missed the block on the outside. Got to be better in that facet. Little things, right? You're going to be on the field from Dax Milne, be that wide receiver five or six. Got to do the little things on the outside. That was more of that Diami Brown role, blocking on the outside. You got to do the little things. And stuff like that has to improve. And as we go through this game, the little things continue to pop up. Those are the things that have to be fixed as you move into especially higher leverage situations. Right? Yesterday, was the entire game was up and down. Colts took the lead. Washington took the lead. 
back and forth. Turn over here, turn over there, field flipping here. A lot of stuff happened yesterday in between that game to where you could look at, you can't look at one or two things and say, ah, this is really the turning point of the game. Now, when you have a play like Terry McLaurin rising up over Stephon Gilmore at the goal line, and you got guys like that that can do the and make those types of plays, you know, those are things you can hang your hat on as far as those are game-changing plays. But there were a lot of instances yesterday where you could have said, oh, if this happens here or this happens here, it's a brand new ball game, whether it's for, you know, the pendulum swings to Washington's side or to Indianapolis' side. But overall, when you're able to pull out a game like Washington did yesterday against a good opponent, I get it. They're not the Colts that they were expected to be. Heck, Washington isn't the team that they that they were expected to be. They weren't expected to be 4-4 four four right now. We did predictions at the beginning of the year. At the midway point, I, right now, I expected them to have at least five wins. At minimum, five wins. I thought they would beat Detroit. Right? That, that gets you to that five-win point. You're 5-3. Five and three. But they are 4-4, four and four, and we are not going to play hypotheticals. And now it's just building positivity and building momentum because we all know out there, momentum in sports is a scary thing. It's a scary thing. And now, three wins, Bears, Packers, Colts, two on the road, you won in Chicago, you won in Indianapolis, you came home, you beat Aaron Rodgers at home. Now you get to host Kirk Cousins, another NFC North opponent, so they're third in the last four weeks. Kirk Cousins coming into FedEx Field. Obviously going to have some steam around it with obviously Kirk being Kirk and what he what he did in Washington as a draft pick in 2012. They selected him on, on day three after taking RG3 with the second overall pick back in 2012. I can't believe it's over a decade ago. But Kirk Cousins and that Vikings roster, you know, they, they haven't been world beaters by any means. A quick look at them over their last three games. They beat the Vikings yesterday at home by eight. The week prior, they beat the Dolphins in Miami by eight. And the week prior, they beat the Bears at home by seven. And even look before that, at the Saints, they won by three. They're not blowing anybody out. They're staying in football games. They're staying competitive. And they're making a few plays here or there with Alvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, the guys that they have to win football games. But that's a game next week to where a couple plays here or there, and Washington has a very good chance to win that football game. But on Sunday, it's positives from yesterday. It's all positives. There were negatives, of course, and a lot of it stems around Taylor Heineke. It does. The things that he has to improve from a minimalistic standpoint in between the ears. Everything aligns from his feet up to his eyes. And some of the time, he gets a little cute, trying to rely on that arm strength, slinging out to J.D. McKissick in the dirt, late over the middle, not being able to pump those out to the boundary. Those are the limitations that we understood that we have to deal with with Taylor Heineke, but we'd like to see a little bit of improvement from decision-making over the middle of the field, deciding whether to run or to throw on the run or being lazy in the pocket with his feet, even though he has a great escapability package. He does. has an outstanding job of making something out of nothing. I think he's one of the best in football right now in doing that. We know how athletic he is when he's able to get in space. But the decision-making, throwing into triple coverage, throwing into yesterday where there were four people within five yards of Cam Sims in the interception, it cannot happen. And especially when you're laid over the middle into four-man coverage and your feet are static in the pocket and there's a guy in your face. Those are all negatives that, that, that have to be improved upon. You know he's working. You know he's a guy that's going to consistently come in the building and work his butt off every single week to get better. 
You listen to Terry McLaurin in the post-game interview yesterday on the field talking about the dynamic that he had, that Taylor Heineke provides and how everybody rallies around him in the locker room. We've seen that. Last three weeks, we've seen that. Well, two weeks, really. We, we've seen that with Green Bay and, and then now in Indianapolis. But they're both wins. You know, will we sit here and love to have a Josh Allen or a Mahomes or some of these crazy world beaters that we're seeing, a Jalen Hurts, how he's progressed in Philadelphia? Sure. But not every franchise, and we know here in Washington very well, we're all too familiar, about these world beaters at quarterback. We just don't, we haven't had the opportunity to have that. And yesterday, some teams, you look at the interception from Heineke, you'd be very quick to pull the trigger and put Sam Howell in. You go over all social media yesterday after the interception. Sam Howell here. Sam Howell. Get Sam Howell. Sam Howell. Sam Howell. No. It's not how the process works. Don't just throw a guy in there in hopes. You're still in the middle of your season where you're actually competing for something. And yesterday before the win, they were 3-4. and four. But you stuck with Taylor Heineken and you kind of see the repercussions of sticking with a guy like him. Because you've seen in the past what he's able to do in leading a football team in Washington, to success and wins, even though it isn't pretty. And every game you have to have a heart attack and sit on the edge of your seat and bite your nails, whatever tactic you have to do. But it's a win, and a win is a win in the NFL. Defensively, again, starts at the front four, Deron Payne. Heard rumors this week about trading him. That's, those have been rumors for, for months and months and months and really years. I've talked about how they've thrown around his name to try to acquire Matthew Stafford last year, Russell Wilson this past spring. But I'm trying to focus on the guys right now that are on the football field that are playing, and they played their butts off. Jonathan Allen yesterday, working into the backfield, making Quentin Nelson looking like he's a high school guard. Not easy to do that, folks. And I promise you, as much credit as we give Jonathan Allen, we're not giving him enough. He is absolutely dynamic as a one-tech and three-tech defensive tackle. I don't care if he's lined up to the inside shoulder of the guard, the outside shoulder of the tackle. Wherever he's aligned, he's been dominant, especially these last two years. And I hope this year, last year he, he got really snubbed from his all-pro nod. This year, I hope he deserves all, an all-pro nod. He, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. And that's not to slight Deron Payne, who's been fantastic as well right next to him, but John Allen in the interior, it doesn't matter if you're asking him to push the A-gaps and clog the run game whether he's an ISO blocker getting duo blocked by guys in the interior or working out within the fringe areas of the offensive line to make him plays or asking him to rush the passer or picking off passes like we saw in Chicago. And then you add the dynamic of the character guy that he is, a lot like Terry McLaurin. The guy who he is in the locker room, a voice on the defensive side of the football where we know it all starts. We see Chase Young on the sideline being a leader, but within the trenches, a guy that's been on the field for the last few years, John Allen is that guy for Washington. I put it on Twitter yesterday about how special Terry McLaurin has been for Washington's franchise and really been the best thing since they drafted Sean Taylor back in the early 2000s. But you look at John Allen as well, and he deserves his credit as someone that is just a local guy, right? Went to Stonebridge in Ashburn, is a local guy and just been a dynamic talent from the moment he stepped in the building, not just as a player, but a voice in the locker room that absolutely matters when you have to be a leader of men. You're not in college. You're not leading 19, 20, 21-year-olds. You're leading grown-ass men that are late 20s, young 30s, that have families. That stuff matters. 
And not just talking about it in the locker room, but showing with, with your play. And when you look at John Allen, and you look at Terry McLaurin, two guys that will hopefully be in Washington for a long time. They just got paid handsomely. Allen last year, Terry McLaurin in the last few months before the season started. It's why you pay guys like that. They've been studs. Absolute studs since they've stepped in the building for Washington and been excellent, just especially these last few weeks, this season, and again, since they've been in the Burgundy and Gold. And those are guys to build this franchise upon. You got guys coming back in Chase Young. Montez Sweat didn't flash a ton yesterday, but I thought he was fine. Jamin Davis, same thing. Had a little trouble covering Naheem Hines a little bit at that second level. I thought David Mayo did an okay job. Listen to me here. I'm praising David Mayo. I always sit here and slack on David Mayo every single time I can. Kendall Fuller, same thing. But when credit is due, credit is due. And I'm going to tip my cap. And I talk about it almost every single week. I want guys to prove me wrong. And yesterday, I thought David Mayo did a nice job. There was no Cole Holcomb at the second level. I thought that was going to be a huge loss, especially trying to defend the run. But I thought Jamin Davis did a decent job. We saw the plays that Derek Forrest can make working downhill. Cam Curl working downhill. Bobby McCain flashed a little bit. Benjamin St. Juice didn't have his best game on the outside. Saw him got beat a little bit on the deep pass to Alec Pierce. Michael Pittman put him in the blender a couple of times. That, that's a learning process. I'm not expecting him to be Deion Sanders on the outside. I'm not expecting him to be that right now. He's in year two and he's still growing, but I thought he played fine. But there are a lot of positives to build on as we move forward now into week nine and preparing for the Minnesota Vikings. Three straight wins brings positivity. When you win football games, doesn't matter how you do it, it brings about a lot of positivity. And it's exciting to sit here on a Victory Monday and talk to you guys about a win. A third straight win. And now you're starting to cook with gas a little bit. Again, not pretty. But momentum. Momentum, momentum, momentum is a scary thing. And now you play at home against a familiar face. And a chance you beat the Vikings, get to your fourth straight win, push them to 6-2 and two and get to 5-4. and four. Who knows what can happen? Season hasn't been perfect. Washington's going to lose a couple more football games probably this year. They're not going to lose just four games. You know, they're not going to go 13-4 and four this year. I don't think that's the expectation at all. If they do, great. Awesome. That they're going to lose more football games this year. Haven't been perfect. There's a lot of holes still on this roster. But for the last three weeks and what we've seen, especially yesterday, through adversity and the players that did step up, you paid Terry McLaurin for a reason. He's a top receiver in the league. You saw what he could do in the late portion of that football game. Absolutely dynamic. You pay guys like that to make big-time plays in big-time situations, and number 17 is about as, as big-time as you can get in the NFL. And it's great to look back at, at guys that, should, that show up in situations where they should show up, not fading into the background. And I loved what I saw yesterday without Deami Brown, without Jahan Dotson, without Cole Holcomb, Logan Thomas on a limited role. You didn't run the ball well. You're without your starting center. Sam Cosme didn't play. You got the shuffle along the front five. You got a new quarterback in there. That's a lot of adversity on top of the fact where the head coach in Ron Rivera that is on the hot seat as almost as much as probably some of the top five coaches in the NFL that are on the hot seat right now. Saw Matt Rule fired in Carolina. Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. This is, third, this is the third year. Now we're at 500 football. If the season ended right now, it, it would be 
His his first season of 500 football in DC, first two were sub 500. So now it's kind of working above that 500 moniker, right? Trying to get above that and continue to win and, and earn himself another year in his contract. That's what Ron Rivera, you know, in job security, he wants to be here next year. But year three is massive. Four and four through eight games, you're in a good spot to compete. Did anybody predict that the NFC East was going to be this dynamic this year? I don't think so. thought the Eagles were going to be good, but and Dallas was going to be better. But obviously the Eagles and, and Dallas, from an on-paper schedule perspective, they've taken advantage of those easy opponents. And Washington's obviously had some falters in early parts of this year where they really didn't look great. And the Giants are obviously playing above expectation, but we saw them kind of come down to earth yesterday. This, and Seattle took it to them in Seattle yesterday. Led by Geno Smith, who's been playing absolutely fantastic football. Led by an outstanding rookie class that they've had this year. But for Washington's perspective, at 4-4, four and four, still on the outside looking in at a wild card spot, and the division is a little bit out of reach right now, but they're at four wins. Philadelphia has seven. It's three wins. Three wins that separate them. And they've got a long way to go. Long way to go. As we sit here basically at the midway point of the 2022 NFL season. So that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, leave a review. Share. Subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Commanding the Huddle. At tw- on Twitter. If you don't follow me on Reddit. Underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. I will have a preview of the Minnesota Vikings out for you on Thursday afternoon as we move into week nine, one o'clock at FedEx Field on Sunday. Kirk Cousins comes to town, the six and one Minnesota Vikings, the four and four Washington Commanders. But as always, thank you guys for tuning in. I will talk to you on Thursday. Always appreciate your time. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.